So right after the download, people are going to get daily emails, but how do I stand out? How do I make my emails better? How do I do that due diligence to continue to improve? That's, that's what's going to set it apart. It's not just quantity. It is quality as well. This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you be focused on to the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, we have a very special guest, our own Mickey Anderson, certified partner and owner of Mickey Anderson. <laughs> we just talked about that. Uh, welcome, Mickey. I'm so happy to have you on here. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So today we're talking offer and conversion optimization, which I think is almost an afterthought for a lot of people because they get, you know, they do all this work to create the offer. They do all this work to get people to see the offer. And then it worked a couple of times. So I'm never going to look at that again. Uh, Is that your experience? Is that how you see people doing it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people focus so much on lead generation and so many other aspects of marketing that the offer just kind of gets left behind. And usually there's a lot of opportunity to optimize. Well, let's just describe optimization. So what is optimization? Is it testing or is it uh, editing or what do you consider? Yeah. So I think offer optimization or conversion optimization in general, it's it's learning, it's collecting data and continually making the offer better. So it aligns with your audience based off of the data you're collecting. So if you create an offer and you've got an email list and you're not leveraging the first party data you can collect from your email list to make your offer better, you're absolutely missing out. Oh, that's fantastic. So let's go ahead and just launch into some examples. So let's say your typical, and and a lot of our listeners are of course marketers, uh, but have service businesses. So we'll just focus on services just to start, uh, incorporate some retail uh, if it makes sense. Uh, so in this in the process, so I have an offer. Uh, it's working okay. It's it's conversion. I'm scared to change it because I know it's doing something, and I think that that's usually a big barrier. So how do you kind of approach that situation? You know, first we look at who their audience is. So we start to survey and collect first party data about who their audience is, what pain points they have, what they've tried or haven't tried, what worked and mm. didn't work, and we can start to get more information about what they want and need compare it to what we're providing right now. And if there's great alignment, maybe nothing needs to be done. Maybe we can charge more, who knows? But if we're collecting data and there's, you're noticing different areas of opportunity popping up, different pain points, things or competition that you weren't considering, now you've got some data to play with and you can start to look at your offer and think, hmm, you know what? This person was looking for this and didn't get it. Maybe it's an opportunity to test and see if I can add that in, if there's traction or demand. Mm. Oh, that's a great point because I think a lot of times we just think of something not working, but there could be things that are working fine and you just, you know, are ready to get to the next level. And so, uh, you know, in terms of the the specific metrics that you track that you found to be the most effective, because I think we usually get inundated with so many stats that you, it just becomes this big blur. And I'm like, I think it's where I'm making money. Let's just say that that's usually the base metric is it's making me money. I like that. I want to keep doing that. Uh, but have you found some other kind of key metrics that people should pay attention attention to? You know, I am all for simplicity. I think we overcomplicate everything in our lives. I'm like the classic Google spreadsheet kind of girl, right? I know lots of people nice. will spend time in Google Data Studio and go way down the rabbit hole. But when I'm thinking of optimization and metrics, a lot of times we focus so much on the quantitative data. 
We think about conversions. We think about like the hard numbers, but we're dealing with humans, right? And so I like to look at optimization more like a social science. So we do need some qualitative data as well. And that could be as simple as a Likert scale. So on a scale from one to five, how likely are you to A, purchase this again, or B, send a friend, right? Recommend a friend. We can use that simple scale. And something as simple as that can help learn, can help you learn so much about your audience and your offer. Oh, that makes sense. So basically, uh, it's unique to the company and you do have to get this first party data to really dial it in. Cause I think the, everybody's always reluctant to do that. Cause they're like, well, I don't want to annoy my customers. I don't want to, uh, sound needy. Like I need their input to make a decision. Uh, do you have an approach for actually launching these surveys? Like how many questions should they be? Um, what kind of information should they contain? And is there a way to make them fun to make people actually do it? Yeah. You know, I love surveys. I know a lot of people stay away from them or avoid sending them out out of fear, but I think they are such an opportunity and there's an intersection between your marketing and your customer service, right? Mm. Like you want to serve your customers. And, you know, there's this great research that shows that it doesn't necessarily matter why you're asking someone to do a favor for you. But if you use the word because you're going to see a higher, a higher rate of people actually doing the favor for you. And Mm. so as long as you're giving them a reason, most of the time people will happily do it for you. I think in this crazy chaotic digital world where we're all distracted and have tons of things going on, the simpler, the better. I like to keep things short and sweet. What are you trying to get out of this survey? If you got one thing from your audience, what is it? And tailor the questions around that. So you can Mm -hmm. ask maybe two or three questions max and get what you need. But if you dance around and try and get everything all at once, you're going to struggle. So I think it's better to do more frequent surveys with less questions that get to the point than one massive survey that takes forever and you don't really get everything you need. Oh, that's a, that's a great point too. Cause I think when you, when you do do those, you know, in-depth surveys, say 15 plus questions, then the only people that are going to answer them are probably going to be like your, your fanatic fans, right? Like that's for, Oh yes. I will give you everything you want. Everything you do is awesome. And then that could actually lead to confusing information because you'll be like, Oh no, it turns out we're perfect. I don't need to do anything. <laughs> yeah, the loud minority can be really hard to avoid. And so we do have to remember that when we're collecting data, there will be people on both ends of the spectrum, some who think you're perfect and some who think you're terrible. And really we're looking to collect as much data as we can. The more people we can get to engage and give us data, the better idea of where that scale is, right? The old bell curve. Oh, no, that's uh, that's a great point too. So in terms of, um, I don't know, say, let's just talk about useful percentages of survey information. Because if I have, say I have yeah. a thousand person email list and I'm looking to judge uh, maybe my products, but maybe the current offer or whatever it is, um, what's a, a statistically significant amount of input that you think you need to make the number be useful? Well, I think it's going to be different for everyone because depending on the business, you may have multiple offers and multiple avatars, right? So if we're trying to collect a thousand people where only half of them are really relevant to this offer, we're going to struggle. So we want to make sure that we're using good segmentation and you know, following all those classic email marketing rules. So we're not inundating people. But if, if the thousand people on your list are truly relevant and potential buyers, then I like to say at least 40% of those people, if you can collect data from 40%, like the classic open rate or click-through rates we're looking for, if we can collect data from them over the course of a year, doesn't all have to be at once either, right? Because we oh. can continue to send surveys to people who haven't responded the first time. Oh, that's such a good point. 
Yeah. So if you just make so it regular they're not basis. opening the first time. Exactly. Exactly. You can test incentivization as well. So if that first round, you only get say 10 opens or 10 people who respond to the survey, you think, okay, let's do some testing and see how we can get more people to respond. Do we need to incentivize with maybe a gift card or an offer? Do we need to give a different reason? What can we do to make this better? And you start testing just the same way you would when you're doing any sort of email marketing testing. Wow, that's great. Okay, so we've uh, done a survey. We've collected the information, the 40% that you're talking about. Uh, Now, how do you start to break that down into, say, actionable items that you could use to improve your offer or your conversion rate? You know, the thing that most people get wrong in this is they try to change too much all at once. Mm. And so what I like to do is pick one thing, right? Keep it simple. What is the one thing we can do to improve this offer, improve conversion rates? Is it, you know, the price point? Is it that we need to increase urgency? What's that one thing that needs to happen? And let's test that. So we may create um, a second landing page, right? Mm. Where we're focusing on that additional aspect. We may create a different email or some sort of an opt-in and send that out. We'll do some either multivariate or A-B testing there. See what kind of information we can get, if we can get any purchases. And, And I think there's benefit to having kind of off the menu offers Mm. where not everyone's going to have the same thing and that's okay. You're learning and optimizing as you go. So you can have multiple landing pages and test your offers that way. It doesn't always have to be, okay, we're making the change and it's, that's the change. (laughs) (laughs) We we can optimize over time. Oh, that makes sense. I hate to interrupt our podcast, but I have an announcement about digital marketers content certification. Content without a content marketing strategy is an expensive mistake, but it's one that most businesses are making. When it comes to content marketing, all content should be created with a clear purpose to move a customer or potential customer along the customer value journey. That's why you need Digital Marketer's Content Mastery Certification. You'll learn how to leverage a complete content system to strategize, create, and distribute content that just plain works. When you become a certified content marketing strategist, you'll master the craft of systematically creating and promoting content that drives noticeable revenue for any business, and you'll get a badge to prove it. Learn more right now at digitalmarketer.com slash content cert. Now, in terms of time, uh, what do you think is a good window? And I know this is going to be different for every industry and offers and all that kind of stuff, but um, what do you think is enough time to be like, okay, We've run this offer for 30 days, let's say. Uh, now it's time to reconsider, do some you know, first-party data collection, and then possibly modify, or can you do it, I don't know, every week? I mean, what's, what's the cadence? You know, you want to think of how frequently you're getting the same people to your landing pages as well. Mm. So if they're coming back and the offer continues to change or things are up in the air, you're going to get some distrust there. People are going to start to get really confused. And so, again, I like to keep it really simple. And so I would say like like once a quarter is a great time Mm. to check it out. I'm very much like the follow the 90 day, (laughs) the 90 day plan. (laughs) Everything is in the quarters for me. And I think it's just a simple way to collect data, test reevaluate and then start again. I love that. Yeah. Then you just put a calendar thing like, all right, it's the second week of each quarter. I need to examine my current offers. I need to test, I need to optimize, and then we'll keep on moving forward. Um, Now, when you say, when you talk about the one change though, would that apply to an entire quarter? Um, I would, I would look at it more for an entire quarter. Yeah. I think the longer the more data you can collect, if you only put it up for say a, a short period of time, you may limit the data you can collect. So 
if we can make that change and give it the time it needs for people to get in and go through that buying process, you may be able to collect more data. I think it does take a few rounds of this before you can start to streamline the process for each business. There are always little tweaks that can happen for each individual business. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and I think it, well, but again, it's just the practice of it, right? Like, okay, we're practicing yeah. optimization. Uh, we're making sure that uh, it makes sense or the thing that you're offering makes sense. Now, do you have Absolutely. any situations where you say, basically, this is a terrible offer? There's no way we could modify this to make sense. You, We need to start over again. Like, what are the what are the red flags for, for bad offers? You know, I'll tell you, the, the worst offers are the offers that typically need the most love are usually offers that just kind of came out of nowhere where someone has um, a document, like an avatar or persona out in front of them and they think in their head, hmm, what can I create for this person? Cool, that's the offer. And anytime we are trying to put too many things into the offer, once it starts to get overly complicated and you can't even really describe it or explain it to someone in one or two sentences, that's when we really start to struggle. Mm. Um, Usually it's like, okay, maybe we need to create a custom solution where we're just driving people in to book that call and then we can offer a custom solution. But if you can't explain it, if it's too complicated or you've got too much going on, you're going to struggle to sell it. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it should be uh, like, are you making money? No. Okay. Mm, well, well, there's there's things to observe though, because it could be the advertising. Maybe you're just not getting enough traffic. It could be the copy, of course. It could be the offer itself. Could be, I mean, a million different things. But I think a lot of times, um, you know, people hold on to an offer maybe too long. Like, well, it worked at some point. We don't know why, but we're going to keep on doing it because just in case it starts working again. I don't want to miss out on that. At that point, you just say like, hey, let's just go through and talk about offers or how do you approach the what you're doing is not working uh, conversation? Yeah, usually I recommend um, doing some interviews uh, with past clients who purchased the offer if they do have sales. That can be a really good indicator. Okay, like why did you buy this? What drew you to it? You know, if you could look back and, you know, improve anything about it, what would you do? And then if possible, if we have anyone who went through the process of sale, but didn't buy interviewing them or following up with them to collect information, you can learn a lot. People are quite giving. And so you can learn a lot and present that to the client or the business and let them know, like, here's what we collected from real people. (laughs) And usually that will help. Awesome. Well, let's get specific now. So we know that one, uh, you know, optimize your offers every quarter. Uh, two, if there's something massively wrong, then you may need to uh, re-examine or narrow or niche it down to uh, make sure it makes sense and is actually generating conversions. Um, have you seen any specific types of conversion mechanisms uh, that have worked better than others? Because we're always talking about lead collection, of course, uh, and you have like your swipe files and your downloadables, but now you could do quizzes or you could even invent entire apps using AI in like a minute. Uh you know, have you seen, you know, the effectiveness of any one of these beat out others, at least in terms of service offerings? You know, I think um, the classic swipe files are great for generating leads, but it it doesn't necessarily increase the speed at which we get the conversion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes somebody downloads a swipe file because it it's convenient and they're still early on in that customer journey process. And it takes a while to get them moving when we can start to create personal connection with them. So if there's a video involved, whether it's an on-demand training, a live workshop, a webinar, 
those sorts of things where they get to actually interact with the brand or the business, free trials, demos, getting them into the offer, that can often convert a lot better. And I'm finding now, especially in this world of apps, right? Like the free trials have always been great to get people in, but how do we make sure that they're actually staying? They're going from that free trial into the purchase. Mm. Usually that means we need to get them results, right? As quickly as possible. So during that free trial period, how are you strategizing to get them a win so that they Mm. stay? Oh, that's fantastic. So in terms uh well, just in terms of specifics though, like have you seen yeah. I, I know swipe files, yeah, those are good, but have you seen any of the other maybe newer mechanisms? Because you know, we're marketers, we always like uh new shiny objects. Uh have you seen any uh more advanced functions that seem to be converting or at least have the potential to convert better? I mean, quiz funnels are amazing and they're getting better and better. Quiz mm. funnels used to not be super accurate all the time. But now that we're able to uh, collect more data and use more, you know, I want to say technical uh, supports and, and things, it we can get a lot better at delivering results, at, at delivering mm-hmm. answers to people, at driving them to the right places. So quiz funnels are amazing and they're just getting better. Um, but in terms of the like new tech and whatnot, I'm, I'm pretty old school. I typically stick to uh, the the basics, right? Either getting people in through a swipe file, workshops and webinars are really highly successful. I work typically with B2B services. So there's a personal mm-hmm. connection that there's a service provided. And so we, when we can get them to experience what that's like, conversion rates will, will increase. Wow. Well, I love how you mentioned quizzes too, because I, I think I've always been interested in you know the quiz funnels, but then you think like, okay, well, I can either BS it and have everybody land in whatever answer I want them to. And however they answer the questions don't matter. You know, that's one method of doing quizzes. But now, thanks to AI, I think you would actually do some really intuitive, neat, uh, you know, quiz generation where the answer is based off of their entry. And it's not you sitting at a whiteboard and mapping out and then writing everything. It's like, now just tell AI to do that. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I- Totally agree with you on that. And it's fun. You know, it's, uh, you know, the trippiest ones are, if you, they do, you know, well, it's like, oh, what kind of cat are you? You know, I don't know what kind of cat. I, <laughs> everybody just got lazy with TikTok filters now, you know, or just like cat done. Okay. Oh, that took 15 seconds. I'm good. But you are competing with that now. So that's actually, uh, that's a whole different uh, conundrum. Uh, have you seen, uh, I don't know, you know, we always talk generative AI and, and all that kind of stuff in our uh, marketing meetings. Um, have you seen kind of a transition away from, say, the downloads where it's like it's harder to get people's emails or conversion rates aren't as high just, uh, you know, globally? You know, I think the consumption, at least in in my experience, the numbers still remain the same. Consumption Mm -hmm. is still about the same when it comes to getting downloads for lead magnets and whatnot. It's the time to conversion that's changing. Like the interaction and engagement after the download, that is really dramatically changing. I think there's just so many options available, so much competition and so many distractions. And once they get the download, how do you stay top of mind? How do you get them to use Mm -hmm. it right immediately? And so that connection and communication is really important right after the download. Oh, that makes sense. Now, uh, what's your opinion of daily emails versus uh, less regular follow-up? I think it depends on the email and the brand, right? Like Mm -hmm. if daily email, the numbers will tell you. I I very much so think like we can all have our hard and fast rules about what is and what isn't appropriate, but some brands do it really well and the people love it and some brands don't. So look at your numbers, engagement. If you deliver value and people are opening the emails and appreciating them and you're getting conversions, keep doing it. (laughs) 
Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, it's almost too easy. You know, everybody wants some uh, super secret, uh, complicated answer or, you know, magic bullet to, to fix these situations. But, you know, from what you're saying, it's basically, you know, do the work, be consistent, uh, consistently aim for optimization and improvement. And over time, your offers will continue to improve. Um, and even Absolutely. with the, all the, the fun new toys we have and tools we have to create, you know, these uh, conversion devices, uh, the basics still are true. And that's yeah, probably not going to change for a little bit. Or what, what's your opinion? Yeah. Do, you, do you see, you know, just from, you know, all the AI stuff. Uh, <laughs> what do you I see? Agree. You know, the future. I think it's all about the due diligence we do before and after. That's what really makes the big difference. I think there are so many people now using AI and throwing stuff out there and the quantity and the noise is, is pretty loud and it's just going to get more and more. And so what we can do is think about, okay, instead of more touch points, how do I make more meaningful touch points, more connected touch points? And so I think instead of worrying about quantity, it's okay, what are the most important things that I can do before and after the download, right? Mm. So right after the download, people are going to get daily emails, but how do I stand out? How do I might make my emails better? How do I do that due diligence to continue to improve? That's, that's, what's going to set it apart. It's not just quantity. It is quality as well. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, I know, I know you're specializing in B2B, uh, but let's talk switch to B2C and specifically e-commerce or retail, because I think that's always a, a question mark for people because the default for, uh, say lead acquisition or list billing is always going to be okay. First time you buy twenty five percent off, or sign yeah. up for the newsletter and get ten percent. You know, uh, have you seen any uh, conversion mechanisms outside of that that you've maybe optimized or recommend for for the retail side? You know, I don't work with a ton of of e commerce or retail, but in, in the, the situations where I have the things that work best typically is is we'll collect data from the list again. Hey, hmm. you know, if we could. If we could give you something for free, what would you love, right? Free samples, as much as people don't always use the free samples, it's a bond, it's a trust. Um, any gift with purchase works really well. And it, it always has. There are some mm. brands, I used to work in cosmetics primarily, and uh, gift with purchase is huge. Purchase with purchase is huge. There are a lot of little things you can do, but your your followers, your customers, they'll, they'll tell you if you ask them. So it, again, it's just keep collecting data. Don't be afraid to ask. The more data you can collect, the better decisions you can make. Love it. Yeah. Seems, seems so easy. <laughs> I know it's not. It's simple, uh, not easy. <laughs> simple, not easy. Yeah. No, it is. It is very common. Well, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, courage and uh, conviction in order to actually execute the offers, because especially with businesses that may have had a successful thing in order to say, hey, I know you're spending $10,000 a month on this thing, but based on your numbers and what I've seen other people do in the industry, that's not very good. So let's go ahead and observe it. Um, do you have any, I don't know, uh, client management advice for making that transition of how to preface it? I know you use numbers and all that kind of stuff, but you know it's emotional. It's maybe the owner built that lead magnet and how dare you say something against it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a lot of it's my, my background in psychology definitely helps with those conversations. But I think when we can detach the person from the thing, that mm. can help a lot in those conversations. Like you worked so hard, you built this incredible brand, you know, this one thing that we're looking at here, here's the opportunity. And I know that you're looking to achieve this goal. We've got an option here to help get there, right? What do you say we give this a test? 
And I think anytime you can put it in like test mode, it's a lot easier for mm. someone to digest because then it's, it's not about them. It's not about their efforts. It's like, this is a test and we're going to choose the one that works best. That's simple. Easy piece. Yeah, no, I love it. It's all, it's all so simple. <laughs> all about simplicity. All about simplicity. Yeah, it's, it's true because it's, it's easy enough. It's actually very much too easy to make everything very, you know, way more complicated than it has to be. And at the end of the day, it's, I think it's just the inundation with so much, so many numbers all the time. And you think like, well, if I'm not assessing these top 10 metrics, then I'm not doing my due diligence. And then I don't have the right to suggest a change because I didn't justify it with all this other work. But what you're saying is basically approach as a test, don't make it personal and you'll be okay. And you'll figure it out. Yeah. 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 Open communication. And I like, I, as much as it sounds silly, the compliment sandwich still works, right? Uh, It (laughs) It really does. Regardless of the client, like if you can go in and acknowledge the work they've done and and the progress they've made and, and the successes, and then talk about the problem, honestly and openly, and then finish with like, I know your goal is to do X, Y, Z. Let's do it together. Like that's a much better conversation than like this thing sucks. Let's change it. Mm. No, that's, that's true. And I, I mean, that, that is the lazy approach and, and people sell themselves as like, well, I'm just being real. And that's, that's the justification for being rude. Uh, and I, I may have done that in the past, but <laughs> not on purpose. We were all young once. (laughs) Tired. And I didn't have patience that day. So that's why that happened. Uh, But no, I I love the approaches as just being simple, testing, don't make it personal, do it on a regular basis, uh, ask your customers for information, and they'll give you everything that you want without you having to, you know, go back to the lab and create something brand new. Yeah, you got it. Keep it as simple as possible. Most of us make things so complicated and we assume we have to like for it to work. It has to be the most technical, inundated, complicated way possible. Most of the times, if you can narrow it down to like one thing that you can do and test, you're you're gonna do it and you're gonna see better results. That's that's it. If it's simple, it's actionable. Mm. No, that's I love that line. Well, and I think you know from the complexity standpoint, it is a marketing technique. You know, it's almost well, that's how we see it. We see it as like, oh, an authority builder. I need people to understand just how complicated this thing is. Otherwise, they're not going to appreciate my proficiency at it. So they won't hire me. You know, I think that's yeah. The art of making something look easy, uh, I think, is is underestimated. Hmm. No, that's a great point too. Awesome. Well, I mean, this has been fantastic. Um, you know, I, I've tried to list everything that you've taught. Have I missed anything in regards to, you know, kind of overall B2B uh, conversion optimization? No, I think every business is going to be different. And, you know, listen to your list, use and leverage the data you can and and always be testing. That's it. <laughs> ah, always be testing. No, I love that. ABT. Yeah, that works. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mickey. Uh, super informative, very to the point. Uh, love how you simplified it down into basic terms. You know, it's always tempting, of course, to to make it super complicated. And you didn't do that at any turn, uh, which I very much appreciate. <laughs> Where can people learn more about you and uh, potentially, you know, using you to help them with optimization? Yeah, they can head on over to heymickeyanderson.com, just like the song. <laughs> and you can find all of of uh, my services and resources there. I do free workshops all the time teaching offer optimization. So head on over there and you'll probably find a free workshop coming up soon. Ah, well, fantastic. Uh, very happy to have you. Really enjoyed your speech at the last uh, Certified Partner Training Day. And you know, I think you're coming to the next one too, right? 
Yeah, be there. Uh, great. Well, I will see you there and we'll talk more, uh, more conversion optimization. Sounds good. Thanks so much. All right. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketing. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.